Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1 podcast. Myself and Tommy are midway through chatting to the glorious, beautiful, chiseled Carlos Sainz. So we've got another 30 minutes so you can enjoy it. I'm not going to talk anymore. Go on, go on, fill your ears with that content. We now move away from the racetrack. Um, one thing F1 fans love is the cool down room. Uh, but how long does it take to cool down after a race has the adrenaline worn down by then how long does it take are you there at the end in an evening laying in bed you know still pretty wired from from the race in the afternoon i think the cool down room only exists because they need to put the podium ceremony together for us we could go straight to the podium like no problem but i think it only exists for that and I think recently they've done more of a thing about the cooldown room, no? Before, mm. no one used to talk about the cooldown room, and now everyone is... Now the commentators yeah. are deliberately be quiet so you yeah. can hear what you're saying and stuff. Which now makes us be more careful on the cooldown room to what we say, no? Because yeah. it's like, uh, now we know everyone's... It's not a cooldown room, is it's it? It's not you a cooldown room anymore, you know? <laughs> uh, So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, normally you, you drink as much as possible and you ask a couple of doubts that you had about someone else's strategy. What did they do at the start? Or yeah, you always have like a couple of doubts that you clear with, uh, with whoever you're sharing the podium at the time. Do you, somebody you do chat in that cool down room and figure out you know, what's going on. Is there a lot of chatter outside of the cool down room? You know, you see a driver in the paddock, you might chat about the race a little bit, or how are your tires, etc. Is there a lot of that sort of debriefing between drivers? Only with the two or three drivers that you get on better with. Yeah. And, and yeah, for me in that case, it's obviously Charles, Lando. Um, sometimes I'm with ex-teammates. Normally you you have a bit more complicity because you've shared teams before and, on you, and you have a good chat about how's that weekend feeling, how they're doing with their car, what are they feeling. Mm. So yeah, it, there is there is a bit of that, but only in very specific cases where you both coincide that have a couple minutes off, which normally in F1 with our schedules yeah. is not is not very common to have <laughs> two, two minutes off in the in the middle of the paddock to catch up. Drivers briefing sometimes, press conference when we are in the TV pen, queuing to do one or two TVs. There we we chat a bit, we catch up. Yeah, there's an interesting thing where I think it was they've only ever done it once where they filmed the driver briefing. And I think there was a little bit of backlash from the drivers saying, you know, this should, this is. There's a very funny meme of, of Checo. Of Checo, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly I really right. like that meme. That is a classic. <laughs> but it's a little bit like the one that you did um, when you were like, like that yeah. after when you were chatting to Will Buxton. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that one went round everywhere. everywhere and they called me Tears to Wars. I'm like, what? That whole driver. Um, briefing. Do you, do you think they were right to kind of 
not broadcast because because does it get to the point sometimes like you mentioned in the cool down room where you want to say something but you know you can't because it's being filmed it's going to go here it's going to go there it's going to go around TikTok or whatever it's a good point yeah I think once you put a camera in front of us nothing's going to be as natural as it would be so it's a fine line no between how much you want to say but also how natural you want things to to be um and even the same comes happens sometimes with Netflix. Once you have a camera on Netflix following you, how natural are you or how explicit are you going to be explaining things? Because you know there's that camera is there, no? Are they everywhere? Like, do, do you just turn around and you're like, oh, God, there's a mic arm, you know, over, <laughs> there's, your, over your shoulder? <laughs> there's weekends where they are everywhere. Like, yeah. Netflix follows us two or three weekends per year full time and then then they're everywhere they put the mic on and you have a mic and you don't even remember you have a mic like this one everywhere um but yeah it's it's a it's a fine line of how much you want to show but also the thing that you show to be true and to be real i don't know i don't know where's that that limit um i think i'm pretty sure everyone would be playing a role also like in this briefing, I'm going to talk more or I'm going to do that. Everyone would become a bit of an actor, you yeah, know. And, yeah. I'll be and it wouldn't be natural anymore. <laughs> Although that check of face, is, I can tell it's natural. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he called out or something for a, a corner cut, I feel like, or something? That was, I feel yeah, like there was a yeah. chat about something that he'd done. And uh, that yeah, yeah, it was, it was a great Someone thing. was throwing him under the bus a bit or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned about how, like it's, I guess this goes into the opposite of what you said, because you mentioned about how your friends with Lando and Charles, but uh, Napa Fenster asks, is it hard to form true friendships with other drivers, especially when they're your teammates? Yes, but for example, I feel like with Lando, it's easier to be more friends now than when we were teammates, because now you don't share. And I'm pretty sure it will happen also a bit with Charles. I think we with Charles, I genuinely get on well. We're like We have a good relationship. We are actually very similar in many ways, and we have very similar conversation going all the time, very similar kind of banter, like there's just good vibes with him. And I'm sure that as soon as we are not teammates anymore, because we are so competitive, we will still get on very well and, and, and respect each other, no? like, we, like we do now. So yeah, probably a bit, a bit of it, yes, because now obviously being teammates, there's always that competitive of trying to to beat each other, but at the same time having to help Ferrari and the, the situation is is trickier than when you are not teammates and there's like less less pressure. Uh, next question comes in from Hassin Amemut. Uh, what's the best gift received from a fan and the weirdest? There's so many. <laughs> Especially in Japan, there's many, many crazy yeah. gifts, but funny ones. I don't know. So many <laughs> gifts. So many. What I need to do is maybe start doing is posting a, a picture of a funniest yeah. presence, you know, and also ourselves. Thank you on Instagram, maybe to whoever gave it. Like a favorite gift yeah. of, the, of the race week or something. something. Like, and like this, we, we have proof and recording of the <laughs> amount of crazy <laughs> and gifts. And then you can go, well, this I feel one. like this question people have asked me a few times, and I'm never good enough to, to answer, good memory enough to answer. So maybe. Maybe this is an idea for, for social media that there I'll start go. doing. Write that one down. Write that one down. Best <laughs> presents, best gifts will go in, in Instagram. Here you go. All right. Very cool. Uh, this one's from 97JDR. Uh, which F1 track do you think would be the best 
uh, if you did it in reverse. Not reverse as in not, as not in like backwards. <laughs> <laughs> but actually yeah, backward oh, yeah. racing it backwards. Sure spa. I think spa Duino Rouge onwards might be crazy. <laughs> um but apart from this um you know I've thought about this before. Really? I actually have. Um you know Suzuka? Yes. yes. Are uphill. Imagine them doing them downhill. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> that must be good. I can see a trend here of doing yeah. things downhill rather than uphill. Yeah, yeah normally yeah. steep uphills <laughs> when they become downhills. Is, uh, so, yeah, I would say maybe Suzuka. Um, um, any other? There are many downhill. I guess like Portimao is quite up and down. Yeah, isn't it? Like but I guess it's not. Yeah. It's Portimao kind of turn one long left. The yeah. tires there would scream. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly would. Uh, but those two are good suggestions. Yeah, those two are, yeah, are good very strong. Um, didn't was it Max did it down down there? There was someone that did, they did some kind of Rebel Show run where they went yeah, down there. Don't get me wrong. You would flat, need to change the <laughs> the runoff area and everything. Well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, next question comes in. Oh, it's actually from us. Do you ever get nervous during a Grand Prix weekend? And if so, when is it at its highest? I always get nervous. Who doesn't is the question. I think nerves are good. Nerves get you in the moment, make you feel a bit of pressure, which is what I need to perform. And without pressure and without nerves, I cannot get to my 100% level of concentration and, and self-demand no, that it requires to, to perform. And um, I, I like those nerves. Like there's a perfect point of nerves you know, that you always try to find when you're an athlete, when you are too nervous, too excited, or when you are too relaxed and you're not nervous enough. And I always try to bring myself to that perfect point of nerves that I know is getting me a bit excited, it's getting me fired up, it's getting me ready to race, but it's not getting me too nervous or too excited. And, and you're always, as an athlete, in your head balancing that, trying to find that sweet spot, the sweet spot where you know you perform at your best. And that's why we also sometimes do focusing exercises, concentration, just to sh shift yourself from one to another, depending on, on where you are that weekend, because we are all not perfect. There's 23 weekends, especially when you do a lot of races in a row, maybe you get used to the pressure and you're not as nervous. Well, if it's the first race of the season, <laughs> you're firing so much, or where it needs Monaco, for example, Monaco qualifying. You're firing um, city tracks where you know that you're taking more risk. The, the the excitement is higher, no? And it's just I don't know. It's just trying to shift yourself from from that sweet spot. So you'd say street tracks qualifying. That's the that's the one where you're trying to just yeah breathe a little bit slower. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. So you say like you you try and get yourself in this good mindset where sometimes you're a bit too calm, sometimes you're a bit too excited. What? What is that process for you? Are you just talking to yourself going, Carlos, chill out. You're a bit too <laughs> excited right now. Or like, well, what, what's the... Yeah, what's the... A bit more specific, a bit more... <laughs> yes, for sure, there's those thoughts in your head, but then there's techniques. You know, when you're too excited, the breathing techniques really help to, to calm you down. And when you are a bit too calm, a good warm-up, getting your heart rate up, um, cold bath, something to really like, put you up, it also helps. So I would say if you're too excited, breathing techniques, if you are a bit too calm, make sure you warm up 
a bit harder. You maybe if you have to raise your heart rate in your warm up a, a bit, make sure that they you properly spike it more. You get to 180, 190, where I feel like I'm like how do you say like uh, out of breath, and that's suddenly switch, switches me on. Okay, so it's like a physical sort of exercise yeah. manager to get you. Okay, cool. Uh, so this is one you actually you asked to Daniel Ricardo, I believe. So it'd be interesting to see if you give the same answer. And it's who on the grid would you trust most to keep a secret? Who's the most quiet? <laughs> who is the quietest? Yeah, Kimmy's not here anymore. <laughs> I would say Kimmy. If Kimmy was here, you tell Kimmy, Kimmy doesn't give a damn. He <laughs> probably wouldn't be listening. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> I don't want to know. I would say Kimmy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's no, I think, fair. didn't Daniel Ricardo said no he one? He said no one, what? I think, and then, and then he tried to think of someone, and then I don't think he still managed to. <laughs> if, if, if you would have to tell someone, I would just give me. Yeah. Give not no one. Just give him a call. He'd forget by the end of the conversation. Yeah. Uh, next question from Euron Camera Smile. Uh, when you close your eyes and think of the highlight of your F1 career, what comes to mind? Normally, the best moment of each year. So I would have to go year by year and realize which one was my like best moment of that year. And that's like the highlights of my career, if I would say. Okay. Like one race per year, they're always taxing your mind and and you always enjoy. So yeah, when you think back to every team that you've been to every year, that's, that's normally when. I guess the expectation is different, isn't it, each yeah. year and, and depending on how good the car is. Yeah. Gavin Curly90 um, has asked, what do you think of Conor Moore's impression of you? We've actually had him on our podcast. Uh, and obviously, his, his, his Carlos science is definitely probably his best impression. Everyone told me this. And when I saw the impressions, that's why I had mixed feelings about it. Because I, I saw it and I was like, I'm not the best, I think. I, there's two or three other guys that he's doing it incredibly perfect. But everyone was telling me, no, but he's about he's the best. And I was like, yeah, but this other two or three guys is incredible also. I, he does honestly a, an incredible job. I laugh a lot. At the beginning, I had mixed feelings because everyone said I was the best and I didn't feel like I was the best. I thought, thought that maybe George. George is very good. George was very Christian good. Christian Horner is very Christian good as well. Christian was very good. Yeah. Even Max with the Red Bull can was very good. Daniel's laugh, yeah. uh, he replicates the laugh, incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, the more I see it, the more I see myself. Yeah. The more I keep seeing it. He's getting I, better. <laughs> the more I see it, yeah, he's like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. We, we loved having Connor on the, uh, on the pod. Um, next question. Uh, driving in the wet is a, is a masterful skill. Uh, how do you go about judging just how fast you can go through a certain part of the circuit? if the conditions are constantly changing? Like, what's the process? Is it just hope or how do, how do you manage it? You know, when it's hope, when we are on slicks, when we are on slicks on a wet track is hope. Yeah. It's a lot of hope, a lot of, a lot of risk. That's, that's when you're also quite nervous because you know a small mistake and out of line there's zero grip and the car is gonna spin and you're gonna probably have a pretty big crash. And you, especially when it's a dry line, you have this much space to put a slick tire on. If you put it out of this much space at 300 kph, you're off into a spin and a crash. And that's where it's hope because you are judging the speed that you're going to get into that dry line. 
where the tire that you're loading is not going out of that line. And it's incredible. And this year we've run on those conditions very, very often. And we've had to do a lot of qualifying on that. We're just putting the slick for two laps at the end. Spa, we had the two qualities exactly the same. We had it also in Canada. We had it in Spain. We had it in, I don't know, so many races. Um, and in the wet, normally the wet gives you two or three laps where the, also the wet tire comes into temperature and you're loading the car, feeling the grip, and then you go use the battery for one lap. Once you've learned the track, you you go for it. So yeah, the wet is, is a bit more little by little. The slick on the, on the wet or on a damp track is the proper, proper risk, proper highest adrenaline I think that you can have in, a, in an F1 car together with a street track. Yeah, so the nerves again, that's, uh, so I guess you just start to see a, a bit of a drizzle on your visor and that's when, uh, <laughs> that's when the heart rate goes up a little bit more. And so I guess when it starts to rain immediately, I, I guess, you know, a lot of people maybe misunderstand that it doesn't mean it, instantly it's slippery, right? It's, it takes a little bit of time. Like, is there a measurement that you get told like, right, Carlos, it's raining X amount intensity, or is it literally just feel? I've been nine years in F1, and I've been trying to find a million different ways to look at the radar, to tell my engineers to tell me the amount of rain in levels. And in the end, there's no better sensor than, sorry for your ass and your hands in the car, <laughs> because that's where you're feeling the grip. Yeah. And yes, they can tell you if it's raining in the other side of the circuit, but until you don't go to that corner and feel how much lack of grip there is, on a, because it's not the same being on a worn hard tire than being on a new soft. The grip level in the wet is going to be completely different. Until you don't know an experiment with the tire that you have at the time, the grip there is there, you cannot tell exactly what's, what's the right thing strategy-wise, no? And yeah, it's not only when it starts raining, but when it starts drying is the same, which is more the qualifying that I was talking Because then you gamble on the dries and yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Is that, is that moment the most you're probably, you mentioned straight tracks, but most alert in a F1 car when it's that dry line that you can't, because I guess when it's dried, you have those moments where we, we sometimes have heard it on the radio, maybe like uh, someone's like leading and the engineer comes and going, everything all right, still still awake? So, do, you, do you have those moments as well where you're kind of almost not switching off, but you kind of need to mm, be yeah. alert? <laughs> The damp track or dry line on an F1 car is where mentally, when you jump out of the car, you're more tired because you've been mentally exhausting. Like full yeah. focus is mentally exhausting. It's a bit like the city tracks, you have less margin of error. So the level of concentration is higher. It's not the same, the margin of error that you have in Paul Ricard to the margin of error you have in Monaco or you have when there's a dry line, even in Paul Ricard when there's a dry line. So it's, um, it's by far the most draining race, that race, the wet races and the drying to wet, to dry to wet. Mentally, you're more tired at the end of the day than maybe a dry race, more physical race. That's when the memes come out, when you're, you're doing your like chilled face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely zoned out, wanting to leave the press conference. Exactly. Uh, let me go to bed. <laughs> 
you really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 455 Nation has asked, if you could go golfing with any three current or former F1 drivers, who would you pick to go with? So... Lando is my golf buddy, let's call him like that, the one that I always normally golf with. And then I heard uh, Lance, I've played with Lance once and he's pretty good and Checo is getting there. So Corin, I would choose those ones and then X, I think uh, Alan Prost got to handicap too, he told me once, which wow. is really, really good. Yeah. And there were others, um, I don't know, out off the top of my head, but I think... Uh, Fernando, he used to play also a bit more. No, he doesn't play anymore. But yeah, I'm sure there's there's others of the 90s that I would like to have a good round and catch up and see what they have to say. Are, are you sorry, tell me, are you are you playing a lot of golf uh, yeah. at the moment still? Yeah, I'm playing a lot. I went through a very good phase of my golfing career two or three months ago, and now I'm going through a bit of a <laughs> bump <laughs> back to the range. Yeah, and I need to go back to a range. I played this summer, but. I haven't played great, I'm not going to lie. It's one of the most frustrating sports in the world, isn't it? I haven't changed a thing. <laughs> I am the same guy, hitting the same ball, stopped in front of me, and with the same club. Yeah. Two months later, instead of getting better, I don't know why the ball is going right. And I'm just <laughs> sitting there saying, what, do I what was I doing? What was my movement pattern? My the brain of a golfer is, that, that is a dangerous brain. You, you get really into trouble there. I was, I was going to ask if you think Formula One drivers enjoy golf because it's maybe very different Formula One and more chill, but from the sounds of it, it's quite the opposite and you get frustrated. And you, you still have that, say, even if you, know, you mentioned like Landers, your golfing buddy, you still like super competitive, have to be in that kind of... Yeah, but I feel like when even when we play golf, we're playing against ourselves. It's like he's trying to do the, his best round ever, I'm trying to do my best round ever. And that's the, the beauty about golf, that you're in reality, you're playing against yourself all the time. Because it's you bad swing after bad swing after bad swing, and suddenly you do a good swing. And you say, why did I good, uh, do a good swing? <laughs> and then you try and learn from that and repeat yeah. it. And, and it's against your score. And then you obviously compare scores and compete against each other. But more for me also, the amount of time that you spend outdoors playing golf is really nice. Four hours, no phone just walking in nice grass. Normally I play golf only when the weather's good. I'm not one of these golfers that when it rains and it's windy plays. I, I only choose my golf days as my enjoyment days. Yeah, I, I used to play a lot of golf as well, so I can completely and utterly relate to, you, you know, you've had a great week the week before and you turn up and you've, you're swinging one degree different and all of a sudden the ball is is in the hedge. It's uh, Correct. It's horrendous, isn't it? What is that? What's the best and, and worst part of your golf game, would you say? 
My best, normally the mid to short irons. When I play well, I can hit it pretty close to a pin or miss very little greens. Unfortunately, I don't have a short iron enough in my hands yeah. because I miss a lot of drives. Like I can hit really good drives, but my dispersion with the drive is too, is too big. And um, is what I'm like, if I'm now a handicap seven, eight, if I would like to keep to handicap zero, um, I know my dispersion with the driver should be a lot less because that's where all my bogeys, double bogeys come from, mm -hmm. losing balls right or left. Um, and my putting, my putting when I'm, when I'm good, I'm, I'm pretty good. Nice. nice. I know this is a Formula One podcast, but I'm interested in, <laughs> in the other, in other sports as well. Um, question, when can we race with you on your karting track? For a video, whenever you want, let's let's do that. Our next next thing, yeah. We can uh, record our next next podcast and or next video. Do a podcast whilst on Carting, the track. That'd yeah, that would be Carlos Sain Go Kart Center in Madrid, which is <laughs> honestly, guys, whenever you want, because I, I really, it's my I have my office there. is It's my second home, let's say. You no, know, so whenever you guys want, we can put together. I had an idea once. I wanted to do like a kind of a. Um, how do you call it? Like a Top Gear show in the go kart center. Bring athletes or yeah. bring uh, famous people to do one lap and see what lap time they can get. Like the star in a reasonably priced car, don't they? Yeah, amazing. Well, there you go. We've we've got plenty of ideas from this podcast. Yep. Yeah, there's lots plenty. of things we've been writing down. Gift of the week, everything. You know, this is. I haven't told you the rule that I would change. Yes, let's let's finish on that. I still don't know. Come on, you can do this. Uh, <laughs> just came to my head. Uh, why I did I what? put myself into trouble again? Okay, whilst you're thinking of that, let me ask you a question. Um, Hungary, uh, we had the hard, medium, soft qualifying for the first time. What did you think of that? Was that because from a fan's perspective, we were buzzing because you had like Joe Guanyu fastest in Q1. We were like, what's going on? This is the greatest thing ever. What was it from like a, a driver's perspective? But that happened because it was genuinely a very close qualifying. Yeah. Like, I don't know what happened in Hungary. We were all within half a second of each other. It's like all the cars were the same. Did you get the spec cars out and just paint them different? Is that, is that right? Is that, well, yeah, did you maybe, have the spec cars? Maybe. <laughs> Testing it out in secret. I think it did feel like that for some reason. I thought they, uh, the qualifying itself was fun. Having to do hard, medium, soft in quali was really good fun. That was fun. Everything else from the weekend was not good. <laughs> yeah. That moment. Was it weird pushing on three different compounds in a qualifying yes, format? Yes, that's why I say it's, yeah. it's weird, but it's cool. It makes a bit of driver learning going on in quali, uh, still in quali. There's improvisation. There's feeling with the tire. There's two attempts also per quali. There's no need to save tires too much. Um, so yeah, that the qualifying was good fun. It was just that we were all saving tires from FP1, FP2, and FP3 to make sure we had tires available for that qualifying to be able to do hard, hard, medium, medium, soft, soft. Yeah. So it made FP1, FP2, and FP3 quite useless in a way, or very different to what it used to be. Right. And that's what made us drivers criticize the format, not the qualifying itself. Because the qualifying itself, I don't think there's a, a problem with it. Yeah, it's one of those of all the things to change in Formula One qualifying is yeah. it's probably the, the best thing we've currently got, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Well, we've given you time, Carlos. What do you think? 
<laughs> Let's try and throw things up in the air that you I might would, want to change. I have an idea. Okay. I would still do the spring weekends a, a reverse championship order grid for Hello. the spring. Here okay. we go. I do think it would be good because just imagine, let's say, Max starting last, the Ferrari starting P16, I don't know where we would, 14th, 13th. Uh, the lower field car starting, the whole field would be like closing on each other. And if you put points up until P10, I would be starting P14 saying, I can get to, to top 10 or top five. Max starting from P20 would believe he can get to the top 10 with, with the Red Bull. Yeah. Everyone who's starting P8, they, are, they might be the only points they get in the whole whole year, no? In, if you're in a, not this year, because everyone's getting points, no? but in other years, you would be holding on to that P1, P2, P3 for, for your life. Mm. So the racing that you would get that day would be incredible. And it doesn't affect the rest of the weekend. You still have the main race that everyone cares about, and it's everyone wants to win that race, but you have that race on Saturday to, to talk about something else. Yeah, I mean, we're sold, absolutely. Abs like, yeah. do, do you actually think that could happen, though? As much as we would love for that to happen, do you think it's possible? And there's a few drivers that have we've asked for it. Like we've said, if you really want the spring weekend to make it interesting and to make the spring race something different, mm. why don't we try this? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, from a fan perspective, we, we found that almost the sprint weekend originally that was kind of part of the weekend was better than this this weekend now where you've just got it on a Saturday is its own little thing. There's not many points up for grabs and then you've got the Friday and the Sunday. And you essentially just, the, the whole race is just the first half, or not even the first half, the first third of a race before pit stop. So there's not really that much. What I find sometimes with this spring race is that is the first third of the race, no? Yeah, so you're, you're getting what's gonna happen on Sunday. It's a spoiler. Yeah. It's, a, it's a spoiler of the, of the main race because it's exactly the sting length and probably even the tire that we're gonna start on Sunday. So you're gonna get a race simulation of what is actually the race on Sunday that everyone has always a, uh, let's see what happens. Is the tires gonna degrade? Is the, are the Ferraris gonna be quick? Are the Mercedes gonna be fast? Is the Red Bull going to dominate? Saturday at the moment, unfortunately, gives you that insight into what Sunday's gonna be look like. While if it's a reverse grid, there's so much going on or so much overtaking that no one settles into a pace. Everyone's going to be overtaking after overtaking and, and in, in really having some good fun. I'm ready for that. And you would, you would, right? Because that's another thing that I'm fascinated to speak to an F1 driver about it because there's been this perception of, uh, if, you know, why would a driver, um, when they're 13th and 12th, they wouldn't risk it, but surely your driver instinct, even though you know there's no points on the table, if you're quicker, you want to go for the moves, right? And it's exciting regardless. For sure, especially because you see those points not too far away from you. If you are P20 because you have the fastest car, but P10 is, is not too far away, no? And, and I think we all, we're, we're, we're animals inside the car. We don't, like, we still want to overtake the guy in front of you, even if it's for P12. People who say we don't care about 13 to 12 is, is a lie because you're one step closer to one championship point that could change the, the, your whole year, no? One point, two points here or there, the, 
every point counts, or at least that, that's my approach. Love it. Well, that concludes our podcast with Carlos. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what was that? Oh, you got the oh, picture yeah, of you. I see the picture. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's amazing. Hopefully we can overlay that. that. If you can send us that, that would be amazing to put over the podcast. If you're listening on audio, you're going to have to go and watch it on YouTube, all right? Because, uh, yeah, that's a, a great picture. Carlos, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, it's been guys. great. It's been a hot room, but uh, thank you for sticking with us. And, uh, Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. And that's it. See you soon. See ya. P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.